Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, this is Lonnie on this side. Warm greetings, Jeff on this end. We're delighted to be back with you. Our subject matter has been for the last few broadcasts, truth. And how do you know truth? And we were closing out last time with the fact that God can send a supernatural anointing on people, and yet they will take that supernatural anointing to draw you to themselves and then guide you off to, the scripture says, another God. Anything contrary to scripture is another God. And so now that we've confused you with the double anointing that can come out, the fact is, how do we recognize truth when, when supernatural vindication in the broad terms is, is not the only thing? And then we read a scripture to you that says, did the word come out from you? Or did truth come out from you? Or did it come to you? And that's something to keep very strongly in your mind. Did the word come out from you? Did truth come out from you? Or does God see to it that the word or truth comes to you? So Jeff, if you can pick up right there and take it on, we'll carry on. We don't have uh, the capacity to generate truth. We have the capacity to speak lies and even to be deceived. But we don't have the capacity as fallen human beings to produce truth, but we do have the capacity to receive truth. And uh, Lonnie just mentioned the scripture, and I'll read it to you. It says this, What came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? Paul is saying, you didn't generate this truth, it came to you. And Paul went on to say, and it came to you through me as the apostle. So Jesus Christ was the author of truth. He came, he was crucified, he rose again, he... Uh, ascended and descended, gave gifts unto men. And one of those gifted men filled with the Holy Ghost happened to be the Apostle Paul. And he was God's messenger, God's man for the day. To receive Paul was to receive life. To reject Paul was to reject life. He was the man of truth. And also accompanying Paul's ministry was signs and wonders. He said that your faith or confidence would not be in his wisdom of words, but in the supernatural signs and wonders. And so, yes, the truth should accompany the signs and wonders. Now, what we're going to find, as Brother Lonnie said just a moment ago, that in the last days you can have false anointed ones. And therefore, the vessel is false, but the anointing is true. So now, how can we discern? Well, God is good. In this last day, what He has done, He sent a true sign that duplicated the very life and ministry of Jesus Christ. So it's not a vague gift. Let me give you an example of a vague gift. A vague gift is uh, you got a large congregation, evangelist is ministering, and he says, someone out there in the audience has a backache, a toothache. Somebody to my right is suffering with heart problem. That is not discernment. That is, that's guesswork. Maybe at best, maybe the word of knowledge at best, but a messianic sign is a person like Jesus can walk up to you and say, your name is such and such, you come from such and such a place, and you're suffering with such and such a disease, and you were praying two nights ago uh, that if I could only meet this uh, minister, that he could lay hands on me and I would be healed. 
That's a messianic gift. That's the same gift that Jesus operated in his day and through a myriad of uh, testimonies that Jesus himself utilized. Jesus walking on the road and the crowd is thronging him and he feels virtue leave his body, strength. And he stops and he says, who touched me? Peter rebuked him and said, Lord, they all touch you. He says, no, I perceive that virtue has gone from me. And he turned and he saw the woman and he said to the woman, you are healed of your blood issue. So Jesus knew, one, who had touched him. Two, the disease, the nature of the disease. Three, he could pronounce her whole. And so that's a messianic gift. Jesus used that gift with the woman at the well. You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. And furthermore, she said, come see a man that's told me everything that I've ever done. Can I interrupt yes. right here? Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And of course, Jesus was the word made flesh. So therefore, he had that word ability to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. And when God sends a man or prophet from, promised from Scripture, mm -hmm. then there's the word stepping out of the pages of the Bible again. So the same manifestation follows the word is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. Not that the man has the ability to discern, but because he's uh, the word in flesh, mm -hmm. his portion of the word in flesh, then that, uh, I'll call it gift, yeah. that works through the man, manifests this, this, this ministry has stepped out of the pages of the Bible. My, absolutely. I just wanted to add that little point in there. Excuse me. That's Carry right. on, Jeff. So <clears throat> Hebrews 4.12 the word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so what if you had a word gift in our day come again? What if that word gift accompanied a pillar of fire? What if that word gift accompanied an angel and that the man, perhaps a preacher, stood on the platform and he says, I, 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 you know, I'm waiting for something. It's the angel of the Lord. What if this man had the very same gift that Jesus had? Not just a vague gift, somebody on the left side, but that anybody that stood before him, he could tell them their name, where they were from, the doctor that was examining them, anything, anything about them. And that gift would never fail. Never one time fail. Now we have what I'm talking about, and we have been talking about through three broadcasts on truth now. Now we have vindication. A Bible vindication that the devil cannot duplicate. Because the devil cannot read the thoughts and intents of the heart. I may have a word of knowledge, the devil can duplicate that. I may have a gift uh, where I can prophesy, the devil can duplicate that. The devil can duplicate a lot of the gifts. He can even look religious enough to have the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness. Who of the uh, two looked more pious, more holy? Who of the two looked more virtuous, more godly? The kindly old priest in Jesus' day or Jesus? The kindly old priest that buried the dead and married the young, took care of the babies, or Jesus who ran them out of the temple and took a, flat, took a whip and, and turned over the money changers' tables and let loose the doves and said, you've made my, my house, my house that's called a house of prayer, you've made it a den of thieves. Who looked more godly? Who looked more in control? The kindly old priest or Jesus? Jesus didn't look more in control. So even the virtues, Satan can utilize those, but he cannot, Satan cannot be the word and he cannot be, or the, he cannot duplicate the very messianic gift 
of which we've had in our day. And we want you to get the, the DVD, mail in for it. We'll give it to you. We want you to be able to see these things for yourself, witness these things for yourself. God has done great things in our day. So we can know truth. Remember now, truth doesn't uh, originate from you. Truth comes to you. Moses was a gifted man. He had the truth for the day. He met a pillar of fire. The pillar of fire said, go down to the children of Egypt, deliver my children out of Egypt with signs and wonders and miracles. Truth came to them. The Hebrew children didn't generate those miracles, nor did they generate truth. Moses was God's man. Truth came to him. We can go through all the scriptures to show that when God wants to do something incredible and powerful and supernatural in the last days, he sends a vindicated ministry. In this last day, it happened to be the very same gift, very same ministry that Jesus Christ himself had. It's an exciting thing. So in other words, we don't have to be confused. We don't have to wonder in our mind when the Bible says, but if I add to the scriptures or I take from, my name will be taken out of the book of life. I don't want to add to or take from. How can I be certain that I won't do that? God vindicates a man. None of us are absolutes unto ourselves. None of us have the ability to be a, a, to be a North Star. The scripture says, I, when Jesus said, when I die and raise again, I'll come back to you in the form of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will be called the Spirit of Truth. And the Holy Ghost will lead and guide you into all truth. Now remember, man's nature. Man's nature is to what? Is to come against authority. What do they say of Moses? You make yourself an authority. We're holy men too. What, what did Cain say to his brother Abel? You make yourself... My revelation is just as good before God as yours is. But it wasn't. The fact is, is that Abel had revelation, had truth. Cain did not have truth. What are we saying again? God wants us to discern between what is mostly true, partially true, and truth itself. Can I interject? Yes. I, uh, as you were talking about truth coming in, you mentioned Moses. I couldn't help but think that in Exodus, you know, uh, God said, I have heard the cries of my people and I have come down to deliver them. If we stopped reading right there, we'd think that God in supernatural form came down. But instead, he says, Moses, I'm sending you. Mm -hmm. So God came down in a vindicated prophet to work through Moses. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the works that Moses did were beyond a man. And yet, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, we find in the scriptures, had the audacity to stand against Moses, like you said, you make too yeah. much of yourself. What makes you think you're the only holy one among us? And we like to take types and shadows here. Moses was definitely God's man. Mm -hmm. And yet, Dathan and Korah were Levites, which mm. means they were ministers. My. And so they, being ministers, they, they felt they should be just as much in leadership as Moses was, but Moses was God's man. Mm -hmm. And it was the ministry My. that stood against it. Incredible. Now, the Bible is there for our edification. So we have to watch that these things repeat all the way through. Who was it that came against Jesus? The ministry. My. It was the ministry that stood against him. And so if we here we are coming up today, and then now God is fulfilling scripture like we're talking about. And we yes. can give you a nice long list of scriptures that have been fulfilled in our day. 
And but but usually who fights it the hardest? The ministry. the ministry. Because they're trying to defend their own stand or defend what they've always taught mm -hmm. and don't want to back up to say maybe there's more truth. Uh, pride gets in the way. That's true. Uh, many times tradition gets in the way mm -hmm. or uh, my denomination doesn't see it that way. But we have to see everything in the eyes of one light, and that's Scripture. Does it match Scripture? For well, this is where we find truth. Take, for example, a study that you're going to go on in just a moment. Water baptism. Mm -hmm. Water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, or water baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Water baptism in the name, or the, under the titles of a trinity of gods, or water baptism in the name under the concept of one God manifested in Jesus Christ. There is, this say that the man, the preacher's in his study. Maybe he's studying in his office and he begins to realize that nobody in the Bible was ever baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. No one. He reads the book of Acts and everybody was baptized in the name of Jesus or Jesus Christ or Lord Jesus Christ. Now that man has got to ask himself, well then what's biblical baptism? So truth is confronting him. So he has to then say, uh-oh, what does my hierarchy teach? What does my seminary teaching tell me? What do my uh, denominational leaders tell me? And he has to make a decision. Will he stay with the denominational concept or will he move on with God in his word? And Brother Lonnie is going to be talking about this. In other words, we're talking about that God has given man a choice, just like Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and then Moses. The people had to stand back and say, who's right, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, or Moses? God was giving them a choice, Adam and Eve had two trees. God gave them a choice. There's Balaam, and then there was Balak. God gave them a choice. Elijah stood on the Mount Carmel and said, why halt ye between two opinions? If, if, if Balaam and, Balak and, and, and the false religion be God, serve that God. But if God be God, serve him. People make a choice. But notice that with both of them are in the framework of religion. Not, not either one of them are saying, now here's the choice, serving religion or serving the world. That's never the issue. The truth is always within the framework. The truth generally is within the framework, or error is within the framework of religion. That is how close things are divided. You don't have to fear, though, because the Spirit of God, if you're born again, He promises to lead and guide you into all truth. And if you are thirsty, hungering for more of God, if you are sincerely desirous of more of God, the Scripture says, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. God comes to the thirsty heart. God comes to the soul that's not rich, but blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God will reveal himself to those that are searching for him. If you're just content with warming a pew, coming to church, uh, reciting some creeds, that is, you're in serious mortal danger. You must be in love with the person, Jesus Christ, and He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And finally, that Word was made flesh. Jesus, in other words, we're saying, how can I know truth? One, it'll be vindicated. Two, get into your Bible. Read your Bible. Soak up your Bible. Pray. Fall in love with the Scriptures. If you, if you are a person that at one time were, was in the Word of God in, in prayer, and now you've backslidden away from that, I urge you to get back into your Bible. Open it back up. Get on your knees and say, Lord, Teach me out of your scriptures. Let me just say, this Bible is alive today. The same Jesus that healed back then heals today. Raises the dead back then, raises the dead today. The same Jesus that reveals his word in himself back then reveals his word in himself today. 
Jesus is not dead. Jesus is not back there bound by history. He's alive today doing the same things he did. And very soon that same Jesus is going to return for his church, rapture his bride. And we're going to close this book. And, and, and God's going to turn to the Jews completely and entirely. And his Gentile bride will be gone. We're still here. There's a reason we're here. Choose. Make a choice. Are you just a good church member? Or are you a seeker of truth? Are you a good Muslim, a good Hindu, whatever it might be? Have you ever read the Bible? Do you know perhaps that, that the Bible is right or wrong? Or you just, have you just taken your priest's idea of it or your mother or your father's idea of it? That's, that's good to respect your mom and dad. But if you're a seeker of truth, you must get into the Word of God yourself. And we'll be sending you any type of helps that you might need. Just simply write us. We'll send anything you need to inspire you to get into the Word of God. That's our desire. We want you to know truth, and you can know truth. Not just religion. Truth is in the framework of religion. Error is in the framework of religion. And let me just read you a scripture, and Brother Lonnie's going to have some closing comments here. But I want to read you a scripture. Well, one of them here is in the book of Revelations. And we find here in the book of Revelations that the ones that were opposing the true church was false religion. And Paul, or, or the, the Holy Spirit, calls... The, the false church, the synagogue of Satan. Or we would say the church of Satan. My, wait a minute. So it's not the world we're contending with. No, it's false religion. So let me read that to you. It's all through uh, the first two in, uh, chapters of the book of Revelation. It's two in chapter 2 and chapter 3, actually. Revelations 2, verse 8 says, And unto the angel of the church in uh, Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which, he, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews. They say they're believers. They say they're, uh, they, have, they come from the original stock. They have the word of God. They say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Would you ever call any church the church of Satan? But the Bible refers to churches that name the name of Jesus, believe in the scriptures, preach the word of God. Some churches are merely churches of Satan. Now, am I here to say that we're denouncing all churches? No, that's not what we're here for. But God is asking you, if, if your church is dead, if your church isn't moving on, signs, wonders, miracles, if your church isn't thriving by the word of God, if your church is being pumped up by programs or the music program or whatever, but the scriptures are not emphasized. You've got a 10-minute sermon and a, and a 45-minute song fest. Something's wrong. The Bible should be preeminent. The Bible should be first. We want to make sure that we're not a part of a synagogue of Satan. We want to be a part of the church of the living God. I'm glad you stopped right where you did. <clears throat> I had in my own mind here some thoughts I wanted to add. You talk, we talked, one, about God and Satan, the two opposing forces. Yeah. You talked about truth and error within, within the framework of religion. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I want to just draw a comparison now for our viewing audience and listening audience that the natural and spiritual run hand in hand. The mm -hmm. same God that made natural laws, those same laws apply in the spirit world. And in Genesis 1.11, when God was creating, he says that every seed will bring forth of its own kind. So in God's program, if I plant a corn seed, I get corn. If I plant a tomato seed, I get a tomato. And it will reproduce after its own kind. 
and the classic example of a hybrid that's the extreme is a is a mule and if we take one of God's creations a horse and one of God's creations a donkey and we breed the two together we get this critter called a mule mm. but a mule is sterile it can't reproduce itself so that's the classic example of what hybridization does it kills the program of God sometimes we'll cross-pollinate corn or wheat and get an, another product, you say, but it's bringing forth, but it's not bringing forth after its kind. So now let's take that from the natural to the spiritual. God says His Word is a seed. Mm -hmm. The Scripture says we are born again by the seed incorruptible, the Word of God. So now what if this seed that we're feeding on, this Word that we believe, we think, we believe is God's Word, but injected into it is man's ideas, man's concepts. So now we're, now we're sitting in the congregation feeding on a hybrid word and claiming to be born again, but are we a pure, purely birthed or are we a hybrid product? Yeah. Are, have, has the seed produced a life of Christ in us or just a religious life? And so back to the thing again. There's one pure word, it's the scripture. And once man begins to manhandle it, now why would man mishandle the word of God? Well, sometimes for their own personal advantage, uh, but, the, but the primary thing is we're in a spirit warfare. So if, if, I, if I am Satan and I don't want to see the true church birthing children of God, then the best thing I can do is cause somebody to mishandle or hybrid the word that the people are feeding on and then it'll produce something called Christian but it's not the life of Christ. Christianity is not governments and laws or, or necessarily attending church though that's part of the scripture but Christianity is a life you don't live yourself. Christ comes in and lives his life through you. You don't live your own life anymore. The things you used to do, smoking, drinking, gambling, uh, all those things. God lifts that right out of you. It isn't a matter of, you better stop, you're a Christian. No, that isn't the idea at all. God, God doesn't do it that way. The way God does it is, He just reaches in and takes that desire out, sanctifies you, takes the desire for those things out, so that He can pour His life in. And once He pours His life in, then it... Then, then we're actually just birthed, just birthed. Now we start growing in the Lord as we feed on the Word in prayer, growing, 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 manifesting more and more and more of Christ. And that's exactly what God has been doing since the Dark Ages. As the church has been coming forward from that time, the church is maturing, maturing, maturing as it grasps more of the Word with more of the Word comes more of the Spirit. With more of the Spirit comes more of the life of Christ, bringing the church back to harvest time again. Watch the picture. Jesus said that He, his, he compared His life to a kernel of wheat. And if we put a grain of wheat into the ground, He said, unless a grain of wheat goes into the grounds and dies, it abides alone. So the grain of wheat, the fullness of the Word, went into the ground buried, and then that life came up and that we're promised that there will be a harvest time, a harvest season. The principle is that the same seed that went into the ground will reproduce itself at harvest time many fold. One grain produces 
many kernels in the, in the wheat or in the corn. And so now we're approaching harvest time, so the life in the true church has to be approximating, getting closer, closer, closer to the life of Christ. Otherwise, it's not harvest time. And then the error of most of the institutions within Christianity is they build a truth around what God did in some former age, and then as the life passes through that to bring up another stage and another stage, they can't move on because their uh, church fathers, their creed, their uh, statement of faith doesn't include that. But yet it's in the scripture. So again, don't be bound by your system. Stay free from the creeds and dogmas of man to serve God in the light of the Bible. That's, that's our whole thrust. Get back to the Bible. Follow the scriptural pattern of the, of the Bible. I hope I didn't take away too much from no, your thought. <clears throat> not a bit. In fact, if, if you wouldn't mind, audience, I'd like us to pray together. I want you uh, to think about your spiritual condition. I want you to look inwardly and say, am I just a, warming a pew? Am I just a, a church person? How much of the things that I believe that I've just taken for granted, my grandma went to this church, my, my mom and dad go to this church, and now I go to this church, and that's good, that, that feels warm and emotional on the inside, but is it the Bible that you're following? Ask yourself while we pray, Lord, am I following you or am I following man's traditions? How much of what you're reading and hearing at church is man's doctrine instead of God's doctrine? Jesus said, by your word, Jesus said, by your, by your, uh, your, your, your commandments and your philosophies, you made my word of none effect. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to make sure that if Jesus were to come back today, that we wouldn't also be found following the creeds and dogmas of man as they were in Jesus' day, but that we are following truth, and we can know truth if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, if we sincerely seek God. And I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice will get back into their Bible and pray and seek you. Lord, we ask for your power to come and make, make yourself real and evident to every soul that right now is praying with me. Lord, make yourself real to them, we ask. Come out of the, the, the annals of history and make yourself real today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're so uh, glad you could be with us in this broadcast. Brother Lonnie's next session is going to be on water baptism, which is right, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's going to be very important. We want you to hear it. On the day of Pentecost, the Jews, we realized they had crucified the Christ under Peter's preaching. And they cried out, what can we do? And Peter told them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yet when Jesus went away, he had told them, go ye therefore into all nations in the baptize in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Here's a mystery. Be with us next time. For more information on today's topic, contact us at this address or through our website and request the DVD, What is Truth? Today's program, called An Absolute, is also available on DVD. Thank you for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ